This is a Federal News Network podcast. Go ahead, take that commercial airplane flight. No less than DARPA and the U.S. Transportation Command have concluded the inside of a plane is one of the least likely places you'll catch coronavirus. That's just one finding reported in this week's DOD Reporter's Notebook. Reporter Scott Mossioni and Jared Serbu join me with this and other news. And Jared, we'll start with you. The U.S. Transcom and DARPA study was really aimed at DOD's own travel needs, but it seems to be of importance to the entire traveling public. Yeah, to, to your point, I mean, the reasons they chose these particular type model series is because the 767 and the 777 are the, the most common ones that are used in this series of charter flights that they call the Patriot Express to move service members and their families around the world. But yes, absolutely, completely applicable to the commercial aviation industry. It's probably not surprising to people who are in the aviation industry because they really come down to the fact that commercial airplanes are extremely efficient at circulating fresh air in, in and out of the cabin. So. One of the key findings here was that it would take 54 straight hours if you were on a plane with somebody who was positive for COVID before you could actually inhale enough viral particles to come down with the disease yourself. The key statistics, I think, in the report is the fact that it takes about six minutes for the ventilation systems on a commercial airplane to remove an infected viral particle from the cabin and contrast that with your home takes about 90 to 100 minutes to do the same thing. So very high air circulation is the main reason they think for this. The question is, I guess, what if there were half a dozen people on a plane with 300 people that had it? That's different from the way they tested it with one person on an empty plane. That's exactly right. And Transcom is very upfront about that. They say that this that there are some limitations to this test because they really only simulated one infected passenger and they did not simulate that passenger moving around the cabin. So it's possible that multiple infected people could have could have made a, a bit of a difference here. But I, I must say the way they set it up was was pretty interesting. They they seem to have done a pretty accurate simulation of, of what would actually happen if an infected person was on board. They rigged up a mannequin to expel simulated uh, viral drop into the air and then set up sensors at every single seat in a particular section of the airplane, basically simulating what would happen if you uh, if you had a completely full cabin, and then they were able to tell exactly what the viral load would be for any passenger sitting at any particular seat. So pretty good data set there that they could probably, I would imagine, expand on if they wanted to extrapolate the results to what, what you would be dealing with with multiple infected passengers. Who knows? Maybe they'll find a way to bring back smoking sections. And Scott, uh, down on the ground, DOD is deploying 5G networks, and now some members of Congress are questioning the legality of what DOD is doing. Right. Well, the United States in general has put a lot of cart before the horse, horse on the side of the cart, every way you can think about it with the uh, 5G sort of rollout. You know, China got ahead of the United States with it, and now it's playing a lot of catch up. And one of the things the Defense Department's trying to do is make its own 5G network. Now, there's a contingent in the Congress that's really not sure that that's a legal thing that the Defense Department can do. There's a lot of jurisdictional overlap there on who's in charge of networks within the United States, who's in charge of spectrum and who can sell spectrum and things like that. So as you know, the Defense Department has already uh, built its own small experimental networks on bases and is continuing to do that. There's 12 bases, uh, actually 17 bases now that are going to be doing this and they're planning on adding seven more. So, but besides that, the Defense Department wants to make a, a larger, broader 5G sort of network that it can use on itself, uh, with itself. Um, and then on top of that, it's working with the Federal Communications uh, Commission to sell some of its spectrum at the end of 2021. 
So, uh, you know, really what these lawmakers are asking the, the Government Accountability Office and also the National Telecommunications and Information Administration to do is to really look and see if the uh, jurisdiction is being undermined. That would be the NTIA's jurisdiction, also the FCC's jurisdiction, and uh, to, to really see if there's any risk that's happening. Uh, one other thing to mention is that the GAO recently put out a report saying the Trump administration's strategy on 5G is really just kind of lacking and there's a lot of issues that need to be remediated including what kind of cost the strategy will have and really just defining some of the problems goals and objectives that the uh, strategy lays out we're speaking with federal news network scott Massioni and jared serbu and jared the moves of military personnel that were badly delayed early on in the pandemic it looks like the department has gotten around that at this point in the, in the Army's case, at least, and, and the Army accounts for by far the largest number of moves compared to any other service, but but this was surprising to me. They say they, they have completely worked through any backlog that they had um, earlier this year, and, and I honestly thought that this year was going to be a complete disaster because, remember, back in March, Defense Secretary Mark Esper basically ordered all movements of military personnel and their families anywhere in the world to stop, and that went on for basically two months. So when you consider that the military's typical peak move season is in the summer, that would have moved all of those March and April moves directly into the peak where movers are already overwhelmed. But what the Army says is really what happened is they just moved the peak moving season to the right. So instead of having a, a peak between May and September, it was it was more like August to November, and they think they're already out of the worst of it. The things that they did to, to make this not as troublesome as, frankly, I thought it would have been, is they, they took some policy actions right at the front of this thing to kind of smooth out those peaks and those curves. For example, they started making sure that soldiers got their orders 120 days before any period when they would have been expected to move so they could make some plans around that. And then around their report date, they had a 50-day buffer so that they didn't have to report directly on a particular date. They had some flexibility within those 50 days. And, and the Army says those were really the things that, that made a big difference. Wow, if they get any softer on this, it's going to be like being moved by IBM or something. And Scott, back to you on the issue of people that have moved. They might be at the lower levels of enlisted personnel. And there's the issue of whether they can afford food sufficiently on military salaries and where they're living. And so now tell us about the move to maybe mitigate some of that military hunger. Yeah, well, one of the first issues about this is that there's not a lot of data on it. So one of the things that we do know is that more than a third of children in Defense Department schools are eligible for free or reduced lunch. And that was during the 2018-2019 school year. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, there's not a lot of people that really go to these DOD schools. Most of them go to schools within their you know regular jurisdictions. However, if you compare that to uh, children in the whole United States, there's 30 million children in the United States, it's about one in five or 20% that uh, qualify for it. So uh, what you see here is about a 10% or more increase in these this small sample size that we have of military children uh, on these bases. But um, you know, other issues that we've seen and heard about for a long time are, are military families having to take out payday loans and you know predatory loans and things like that just to make ends meet. And that's especially in these high uh, um, cost areas like San Diego, Norfolk, Virginia, New York, uh, that kind of stuff. So uh, there is a bill uh, out, and it's actually been folded into the House version of the NDAA for this year. And what it would do is it would give uh, some money, a basic allowance to um, 
military families, uh, much like a basic allowance for housing, uh, to give them some, some sort of extra income to make sure that they uh, can, can make ends meet, especially when they're just over that poverty line and can't really get SNAP benefits, but they can uh, you know, they can't exactly make ends meet, like I said. So, uh, you know, sounds like Andrew Yang, if you remember, he had that sort of universal income. This is sort of something that he would kind of push for. Um, so, uh, you know, th this is something that more than 100 uh, organizations, uh, military and hunger organizations, poverty organizations have all signed on to. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. The bill is in conference now. They're not going to be expected to finish that conference until probably the end of the year. So we'll see if the uh, senators and representatives can get it into the bill. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni and Jared Serbu. Check out their DOD Reporter's Notebook now online at federalnewsnetwork.com. Still ahead, the NGA launches a challenge competition aimed squarely at circles. This is the Federal Drive with Tom Temin here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. We all have a lot on our plates. Work, kids, relationships. And sometimes it can be hard to just catch a breath. When life is go, 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 it matters where you stay. Hilton's family of brands is team members dedicated to making you feel truly cared for so you can mentally check out before you even check in. Take the break you deserve and book your next stay on Hilton.com. Hilton, for the stay. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.